So there's the journey of meeting Jesus. There's the journey of learning Jesus. And then there's the journey of finding yourself in Jesus. And then there's the journey of loving like Jesus, where we actually step into the world in a way that we're, we're actually just loving and caring about people. Journey, an act of traveling from one place to another. This week, we're talking with Eric Nevins, host of the Halfway There podcast. Eric has a passion to capture the beauty of the uniqueness that each of our spiritual journeys hold. We talk about how every spiritual journey is unique, how asking questions is a natural part of spiritual growth, how God can interact with us on a mystical level beyond just the Bible, and how not to just read the Bible, but to understand it and allow the words to bloom in our minds. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave, we are bold, we are the Reckless Pursuit. everyone welcome to the reckless pursuit my name is elaine and my name is cody and we are your host you are listening to episode 54 and this episode we actually interviewed one of our new found friends he's a fellow podcaster eric nevins he is the host of the halfway there podcast so this week we talked about spiritual journey and what that looks like what that entails and we actually learned there's several parts to a spiritual journey and that it's not just, you know, I found God and that's it. It's actually a lifelong process and there's multiple parts to it. Yeah, I love that we, we got into talking about just how to understand the Bible deeper and what a spiritual journey is and all of it and just how it plays together to to bridge from not just uh, not just learning about Jesus, but finding who Jesus is for us and how to love like him. And it was a great conversation. There was a lot of great dialogue. Eric's just an awesome guy. And I highly encourage you to go check out his stuff. And of course, all of the links for everything of his will be in the show notes below. But we'll get into that in just a second. But first, just a quick reminder. We would love it if you would share this with a friend. It would help us get the word out and it would just help to have more conversations and give people a place to be able to share their heart more often. So if you have a friend who you think could use hearing this, please go and share this podcast with them. Yeah, and so if you have already subscribed to this podcast, but you kind of want to get more out of it, we actually have a community group on Facebook called The Reckless Community where we just talk about just the things that we're struggling with, the things that we're thinking, and it's just a community just to carry on the conversation outside of the podcast. And of course, the link to that will be in the show notes below. Just click the link and we would love to have you. So guys, we're going to get into this conversation today with Eric Nevins, the host of the Halfway There podcast. It's a good one. Let's get right to it. Hey, Eric, thank you for joining us here at the Reckless Pursuit. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And so tell us just a little about uh, your journey into podcasting and how long you've been at it. Let's oh, just yeah. open up that so way. So I started, I guess, a little over two and a half years ago um, in June of 2016. 
Um, it was a long journey. I discovered podcasting again in 2014, like a lot of other people. And um, it, I had an idea, but it took me almost two years to figure out how to actually execute that idea. That seems like a long time. Podcasting is weird. I feel like I had a resurgence yep. uh, not too long ago. So, Well, it did, yeah. So I can remember going clear back to 2008 and to, through 2010 or so. I was listening to a good number of podcasts, and then I kind of forgot about it, and I was more into blogging. You know, then somewhere around 2014, I think it was John Lee Dumas, he came out with uh, Entrepreneur on Fire every day, and that really started to get a lot more attention. Serial came out around then, so it kind of exploded. Yeah, and I feel like even still to this day, like, it's getting popular, and I know it's growing like crazy, but it's still so obscure to so many people, which is just wild to me. Yeah, there's some interesting stats about that. So in 2018, at the beginning of 2018, there were about 400,000 podcasts. At the end of 2018, there were 600,000. So there were 200,000 podcasts started in one year. Isn't that crazy? And I bet, I bet 190,000 of those were used anchor.fm. <laughs> so tell us a little about uh, just your podcast, what your, uh, what your mission is, and just about your show. Yeah. So my show is called Halfway There, and it's really Christian stories. My background is in spiritual formation. And uh, if you want, we can go into the whole like story of why how I got here. But I realized that I really wanted to tell stories. I went to seminary. I tried to be a preacher, teacher guy. Turns out that's not my gifting. Um, so the poor souls who had to listen to me preach in class, that's too bad for them. But um, I decided that I really wanted to do something that would kind of demonstrate the spiritual journey, um, including all the ups and all the downs. And so uh, halfway there is my show where I do that. I interview people. I ask them to share all that stuff with us. My tagline is honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. And so we talk about all the things that happen to you if you're following Jesus in the 21st century. Yeah. And I love that so much because of course, you know, our whole point of being here is to allow people to ask questions and just to pursue, uh, you know, truth beyond just what we're always told. And so like whenever I heard about your show and whenever we kind of connected it was really exciting to me because i feel like we have a similar mission we're just kind of like at opposite ends of the spectrum for the same mission so i was really excited about your show yeah absolutely that's one of the things i found as well that i'm not the only one who cares about this so i what what happened is i was really kind of frustrated like i said i'm not really a teacher preacher guy um god bless those people who can but if you look at the christian category which is the biggest category in itunes by the way which is that's so crazy isn't that insane if you look at it, it's actually um, full of preaching. And you look at all the top ten; it's all these guys who are, you know, have big followings, and they're preachers. You know, you know their names. Um, and I just said, no wonder people think we're preachy, right? So let's tell stories instead. There's a reason that a good chunk of the Bible is narrative. I want to try doing that. Yeah, and I really do enjoy. Elaine and I were listening to some of your episodes yesterday, and I just enjoy the open, authentic conversation that you allow on your show. So. Anyone listening, go check out his stuff, especially if you already like what we have going on here, because I definitely think you will enjoy what Eric is doing over there at uh, Halfway There. But So today we're talking about um, just spiritual journey, which I know is just a really big, you know, kind of like your calling, your gifting. And so tell me a little bit about what a spiritual journey is and what that looks like. So a spiritual journey, I mean, here's the thing. The reality is, um, we talk about spiritual formation or Christian formation. We all have a journey, right? We all, right. if we're going through life, we have a journey. We have a, you know, someplace that we're going. Obviously, we don't always, can't predict, don't know where, where it is. Um, but if you're a Christian, you want to 
journey into Christ likeness. And so spiritual formation is the study of the practices and the principles of how you do that. Yeah, and there's there's a lot to that. I, you know, I like the term spiritual journey in general because a lot of times we call it, you know, our Christian walk and I think that term's kind of just gotten a bit jaded to a lot of people. Um it's kind of just gotten a bit wore out. And so Tell me a bit about like what that can look like. Is spiritual journey like a one path thing? Is it uh, a certain thing you do? How does it look for different people? Yeah, I love that question. Um, it can look like a lot of different things, but there are these stages that people go through that um, that kind of look the same. Now they might look different in different ways depending on your personality and your enneagram type, right, and all that kind of thing. But so here here's the one. So there's a lot of different ways. Uh, uh, one book that I talk about a lot is a book called The Critical Journey um, by Janet Hadberg and Robert Gulick. And they they have these stages that are really, um, really interesting. I kind of summarize it like this in these four stages. So there's the journey of meeting Jesus. And that's this is conversion, how we kind of, you know, discover Jesus is ac actually after us and he saved us. Um, there's the journey of learning Jesus. And uh, this is that period where we go and we learn all about scripture and Bible study and theology and all of that thing, all of that kind of thing. I hear those stories all the time from people who, you know, when they, after they find Jesus, I, I, there's this one guy, his name is Dan Redman. Like he, he told me he could do nothing. Like after he came to Christ, he spent three years just reading the Bible every day after he got home, he'd read the Bible for like three hours. You know, like that, that's a good example of somebody learning Jesus, right? Um, there's also some service in there usually. So you start to try to get involved and you know, you're there at church. Um, and then there's the journey of finding yourself in Jesus. And I think that's the one that oftentimes is a little bit strange for evangelical churches because people start to ask questions. They start to break out of the mold that our churches have given us, um, to, you know, sit in the seats and listen to the whoever's going to teach and do the volunteer for the programs and whatever, start to ask them different kinds of questions about who they are and who God is. And then there's the journey of loving like Jesus, where we actually step into the world in a way that we're, we're actually just loving and caring about people. You know, there's a lot of examples. You probably wouldn't, wouldn't know. One, one example that I know of here, when I first came to Denver Seminary, uh, a guy who had been the president, and then he was like the chancellor or something i think when i was here his name is vernon grounds and he was like he was in he's old he was older you know in his 90s but the way that he interacted with all the students was full of love and he just kind of exuded christ everywhere he went so when i think of like somebody who's in that journey of loving like jesus i think of vernon grounds that's awesome i love the the steps that you just said they're meeting jesus learning jesus finding yourself in jesus and then loving like jesus and i feel like so many people get stuck uh, in between the learning Jesus and then finding yourself in Jesus point. And that's just like, you know, that's where like a lot of our stuff, we talk uh, kind of a lot about like just the questioning and how it's okay to ask questions and try to find out Christ for yourself and talking about like deconstruction and things like that. And I feel like so many people get trapped right there in that one little point. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that frustrates me, you know, as a, as a guy who wants to see, everybody grow into the image of Jesus, into who God has made them to be, it just makes me so crazy that our answers to people are the same no matter what their problem is. You know, right. my friend and I were talking about this um, earlier th this week. 
the evangelical version of soul care usually is to give them a book, right? Like, <laughs> here you go. Yep. Oh man, I have some stories. Okay, yeah, this will fix you, right? What? No, the the soul care is community. You got you got to have that. But yeah, man. you know, we just think if we stay in our heads, we'll fix it, and it, you just can't do that. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so so good. So what are some of the things that you see help to bridge between the learning Jesus and then finding yourself in Jesus? And what are some of those identities that people kind of like falsely put on their self when they're trying to find Jesus? Um, so you're asking about like barriers? Yeah, just some of those things. Like, well, so there's, I guess I see it both ways. There's, yeah. a, there's a barrier and you have to build a bridge, right? Right. And so there's those things, those falsehoods they, they tell themselves. There's falsehoods we tell ourselves that kind of keep us from finding Jesus for ourselves. Those things um, where we start to feel guilty about asking questions. We feel guilty for trying to see this side of Christ because we feel like maybe inadvertently we were taught we're rebelling or we're kind of right. pulling against the grain, you know? Right. Well, I'll tell you what happened for me. So I grew up in a very evangelical church, like evangelical free, if you guys know that denomination, sort of run-of-the-mill evangelical denomination. Right. Um, I always hated that name because I always felt like evangelical free is like fat-free or cholesterol-free or something. <laughs> I didn't understand it. Um, but so that's, that's fine. But I, I, what I learned was, okay, I know God with my mind, and so I need to study, learn to study scripture. So I went to college, and I did... Uh, a degree in biblical studies, and I'm grateful for that because it was really a good thing for me to do, good foundation. Um, and then I went to seminary, and I actually went to a seminary um, there at, at Trinity, which is a great school. I mean, the, the people who translate your Bible work there, right? You know, it was a good place. It was, it was it was a good thing, but it wasn't really, it didn't connect with me on a heart level. And so, so that was a problem. Eventually, I had to take a break. Uh, there was a lot of other things going on. So in retrospect, I look at it and I go, yeah, there, no wonder that you had to take a break. But when I went back to school and we, we decided to come out here to Denver to go to Denver Seminary and do the do this um, spiritual formation program through through my Master of Divinity, I had to do some things that took me outside of my tradition. So, you know, it was still a heady environment in many ways, but they also pushed me out of evangelicalism. So one thing they required us to do was to spend one day, 24 hours, this is my first semester, 24 hours uh, in silence. You had to wow. do a silent retreat. Now, can you imagine doing that? That would be really hard for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. See? So um, so I found this place. I went down just south of us. There's this place called Sacred Heart Jesuit Retreat House, and it's become one of my favorite places in the world. I haven't been there in a couple of years, which I really need to fix. But uh, every, few, every so often, I try to get down there, and I'll do a weekend or something. And uh, the first weekend I did, I couldn't believe it, because even when you sit down at a table and you're somebody sits next to you you don't talk to them like it's just agreed we're not going to talk to each other so it's kind of weird because everywhere else we go we're sitting next to somebody we talk to them and i talk to everybody in every crowd i used to get such strange looks in chicago because they don't talk to each other there but anyway um so this whole thing of just silence sitting in silence is a tradition that really i didn't have or didn't didn't come with eventually there's a it's a jesuit retreat house I went through the spiritual exercises of Ignatius with a, a Jesuit there. And uh, it was just a huge, it taught me some practices that I didn't have. And it was really helpful. Yeah. So we're talking about like evangelicalism there a little bit. And just what are some things that, uh, I, I, you know, we were talking before this podcast, whenever you and I had our, our previous conversation and 
you're talking about just how you have a passion to teach people alternative ways of kind of looking at scripture and looking at Christ. What are some of those things that like would help us get out of the barrier we have at only seeing things through this evangelical perspective we've always known? Because anything other than evangelical, especially in the South, is almost like a cuss word, you know? It's almost become like just a very like scary, oh, if you're not evangelical, you know, if you're not living by, uh, you know, go and make disciples and you're not living for yeah, Christ. you're not a true Christian. You know, you're pretty much, that's it. And that's pretty much the whole sum of the matter. So just kind of elaborate a little bit on on what some of those other perspectives are and how they can draw us closer to Christ. Yeah, so I think that it's actually really valuable. And I just want to keep affirming this, that what we get with evangelicalism is very important. The way that we, we um, talk about scripture, the way we can take it apart and look at the original meaning and all that, and get draw principles out of it, very important, very good. Mm -hmm. But... What I learned from my Jesuit friend was a practice called Lectio Divina. Um, or, so I don't know if you guys have heard of that. But it's basically this process where you take a passage and you sit with it and you go, okay, uh, you, you read it, you reflect on it, you respond to it, and then you remain with it and you just let, let God kind of apply it to you. So this, is, uh, this actually ultimately became part of what I did in my uh, eight-day Bible study that I'm that I'm out there um, that I'm sharing with people because I think it's such a valuable process to learn and, and to use to let the Lord um, really apply the scripture to us instead of us trying to get what we want out of it. Yeah, that's so good because there's, there's so much in scripture and, you know, this is a big thing that I've struggled with a lot is just trying to figure out how can I look at the Bible through a new lens, because as you grow and I, and kind of going back to those stages you talked about, you meet Jesus and then you start to learn about Jesus. You start absorbing all you can, but then there comes a point where you have to learn who he is for you. And that's just that gap that we were you know, talking about just a second ago. And, and whenever you are learning how to look at the Bible a certain way, sooner or later, your, your, your spiritual journey starts to grow beyond just what someone else's spiritual journey has been. And you have to try to understand it for yourself. And the Bible's prismatic, you know, it, you know, one thing hits and it can mean a, a thousand different things to a thousand different people. And that's the beauty of the Bible to yeah. me. I'm so convinced also that experience matters, you know, like what, whether or not you have an experience with Jesus will determine not only how much, how, how devoted and how much you love him, but how much you trust him. And so like that is, it, it just, it, it can't be understated. I don't want to put it too far out, you know, too far ahead of everything else. But the reality is when we, you know, like we look at scripture, everybody in there has some sort of mystical experience with God in some way. God speaks to them. They see something weird, like a light shining from heaven or a dream or whatever. Right. God speaks to him. And, um, you know, so I can't believe anymore that God doesn't do those things. Something you said there, you were talking about just mystical experiences. That's actually a pretty popular thing within like the deconstruction vein and those who have, you know, kind of come to the point of trying to figure out who Christ is for them, what they call deconstruction. What, what exactly is mysticism when it comes to Christ? Cause that can sound spooky to a lot of people. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it feels weird, right? And, and I get that. Um, I guess what I mean by it is um, uh, just a, an awareness of God's presence, um, an awareness of the fact that he 
is speaking to me so it's not just that uh so i mean this is just, this is so like i almost can't believe i'm going to say what i'm about to say but <laughs> i i can't believe in solo scripture anymore like solo scripture is not the only way that god reveals himself it's just not and it's not the only way that he actually interacts with us and that feels uncomfortable because um that's what we've been taught and so i'm okay with that uh, as long as we can say that uh, we do have some guardrails in in place that scripture is a guardrail itself and and you know we're not going to go out on weird things because that's where people get kind of kind of um you know weirded out right okay sure. so you're gonna so you're telling me that you believe god told you to get a jet and so we have to give you a million dollars okay no right that's that's not really in keeping with his character or jesus character right he right that's not the way he lived um and so that's okay it's interesting you say that though because those people that preach that very thing are often the ones who are talking about how to take scripture period and yet they're the ones that actually right. add to it right know, but then on the other hand thing. what i can't believe anymore so i'm this just makes me crazy when you think about if one of your friends came up to you and said um hey i had you know let's say they've been trying to go to the mission field and they have this dream about somebody let's say in china right a chinese person and they're like well i think we're supposed to go to china right well are you gonna are you gonna affirm that no you were trying to go to europe or whatever right i i don't think i would like i would be like i, I don't know let's pray about it. let's figure that out i think most evangelicals would be like you're crazy we should probably get you some help right because this is a dream we don't do anything based on dreams but paul has this experience recorded for us in the scripture and they're all like okay let's go to macedonia and that so that's an example of a mystical experience where he interpreted it i think in all discernment and with all wisdom in a group in a community and said okay this is what we think we should do and we're all going to go together um well, not, go ahead well, i was going to say i think that's where um, a lot of people kind of get stuck with meeting jesus and learning jesus and then finding jesus for themselves because they take scripture of what people told them and then they just take that at face value and don't actually try to pursue it even further right exactly yeah and and the, and the way that uh that god reveals stuff to us can be so interesting uh and i don't know there's an interesting thing to me i'm, I'm very like science-minded i guess and so a lot of times whenever i read scripture i take it you know there are parts of course that are completely literal but i take a lot of it as beautifully like metaphorical maybe even allegorical and there's a i guess i would love to hear your opinion on just how to apply scripture like what are some lenses we can read scripture through to just pull to pull more out of it and understand the meaning behind the context because i think a lot of times you know the church whenever they read uh, the Bible, they almost, it reminds me of whenever Jesus is telling uh, parables. And I feel like a lot of times the church takes it as face value. Oh, well, you know, you need to separate chaff from wheat, duh. But they don't really dig into the meat of what that means. And I'm, I'm, of course, I'm not spe talking specifically that verse. I'm talking like the Bible as a whole. I feel like they kind of miss some of the, the beautiful undertones. So what are some other ways we can take scripture and apply it to our lives? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, clearly we have to understand the historical context, right? We have to kind of understand what was happening. No, we there. don't do that anymore. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, I've lost you already. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, I mean, well, we, yeah, we have to understand what 
what it was like for the people who, when they wrote it, you know, there are all kinds of little intricacies to their culture that we don't get. Whereas, um, that's why the message is so powerful, right? Cause he, cause Eugene Peterson took a lot of pains to insert our, uh, culture into there so that we can understand it, what he, what Paul saying or whoever. So that's kind of important is understand the historical context. I think we have to read it as literature as well. And so that's a, that's a whole nother thing. We do that a little bit when we dig into like grammar and things, but I think it's beyond that. We got to understand the whole overarching, uh, story and the individual stories that are going on by the being written by the individual authors. So, but I think one, one thing that really has helped me is the big picture story of understanding, um, God's motive and his desire for history. Like that for me is really interesting. If you, when you see something in scripture that is repeated over and over and over again in every genre in every part of the Bible, you have to stand up and go, Oh, well, that's interesting. That must mean something. So, um, for, you know, the thing that I noticed was that he, God says they will, I will be their God and they will be my people. That's what he wants. Mm-hmm. So he says this of Israel. He says this, I, I, uh, I shouldn't say it because I can't remember exactly, but I think he says this to Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant. He says this to Moses. He says it over and over and over again. The prophets say it. And then in Revelation, at the very end, uh, when, when it finally says, okay, we're going to be, you know, there's a city and, and all of that business. And he says, and God will dwell with the people and he will be their God and they will be his people. This is the thing that God wants out of history. And if you, once you see that, I think everything else gets reinterpreted in a, in a way um, it's just different than what I grew up with, right? It's not, it's right. much less God is out to get you. It's much more God. He is out to get you, but he's out to get you on his side. Right. Well, and there seems to be a bit, uh, just something I've noticed lately, especially just social media and all that. There seems to be an us versus them mentality. And I know that's always, you know, been present in the last, you know, iterations of church in the Amer- in American history, especially, but I feel like it's getting a lot worse and I feel like, you know, just political lines and things like that are being drawn where people have kind of separated Christianity into like its own its own little subset religion where you have Christianity of people trying to love like Jesus and you have Christianity of people using the Christian platform to push agendas. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a, a serious issue with and that's kind of the whole thing of finding Jesus for yourself then loving like Jesus, you know, the true great commission go and and make disciples well that you can't do that if you don't know who you are in christ and i just think that's such a powerful a powerful thing of like the whole the last part of loving like jesus truly means looking at every person and realizing god has a heart for that person god has a plan and a purpose and he has something he wants for that person and he wants you to be the hands and feet not to just shove him down their throat, but to actually express that love to them. Right. Isn't that an interesting change in the, uh, the end goal, right? Right. So instead of, Hey, we're going to keep you out of hell and where you're going to burn forever if you don't turn. Right. Or it's no, we, God wants to be with you. He, he has a plan for you. He's got this thing that is going to be amazing and we want you to be part of it. So would you say that would be the goal destination of the spiritual journey is being God's people and just exuding his love for other people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point of who Jesus is, right? Of what he, mm-hmm. what he comes to do is to, is to make us his people. So this is a loaded question, but at what point on the Christian journey or on the spiritual journey do people 
take the wrong path and get off of that? What are those things that deter us from doing, doing just that and showing true love? The things that keep us from loving like Jesus are really all the same, same things that keep us from Jesus and from knowing ourselves, right? It's, it's pride wanting to get a position, you know, instead of an influence and, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. I think we're seeing that now in the church. It's very interesting to me the way, not to get, not to take a tangent into politics, but I think it's very interesting the way that Donald Trump has caused the church to have, the evangelical church to have to uh, make some choices, right? Yeah. But how, sure. how are we going to interact with politics now? Because this guy's kind of, you know, weird in some ways. I like some of the policies, but not everything that he says, and I don't know. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's a good thing. And I think some of the reasons for that is because we've enjoyed having some access. We've enjoyed having uh, something to fight for in in terms of policies. I don't know. That's not really answering your question about the journey, though. But no, I mean, it is part of it because right now in this, you know, just in this day and age, like politics is a huge part of I see a lot of, you know, churches' stances and, and things like that. I mean, we have just a plethora of issues on the table that different parties stand for. And both sides have, you know, extreme good and extreme bad to them, just being straight honest, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so you have both sides of the Christian market trying to pull for two different things, and there's kind of no – it feels like there's not a lot of middle ground sometimes. Well, here's the reality is there isn't. I keep listening to people like Brian Zond, um, and his thing about, you know, empire and is really interesting – um, basically, he says, hey, the, the United States is an empire, not unlike Rome. And right. the kingdom of God is antithetical to empire. And so I, every once in a while, I'll just put something out there, either on Twitter or, or on Facebook, and just say, hey, the interest of the United States government, much as I love it, um, is, not, is not the same as the kingdom of God. Yeah, heaven's not a democracy. Yeah, that's right. They're just not the same that's thing. Good. And so we shouldn't expect, either from the right or the left, mm-hmm. that, the, that they be that they line up. So that's good. So just kind of keeping with the spiritual journey topic, how can we find some unity and how can we, no matter what side, whoever's listening to this, no matter what political stance they take, how can we find unity between those who think opposite? Cause something I've, I feel like I've kind of put this together and it almost makes sense, but uh, I don't know why it took me a second to get it. But most people who claim to be Christians, despite whichever side they claim to be on, they're on that side because they want to do good. You know, most people want to do good. There's just not that many people out there that actually want to do bad. And yet we villainize someone who thinks differently than us. So how can we find that? That How can we at least come to understand? What what tools can we use to understand someone else and their relationship with, uh, with Christ and just understanding who they are? Yeah, well, I think we just have to accept each other. So one, one thing that I've, one principle I've come to, especially as I've been doing halfway there, is that it's okay to be wherever you are. So wherever you are in the journey, whether that is, you know, you're in that learning stage, le- learning Jesus, and you're you're engaging, you know, in your, you know, whether it's like deep Bible studies or, um, you know, helping around church, whatever it is, or you're in that love stage later, um, it's okay. Like it's, it's fine to be there. Just let yourself be there. And so if, if we have that kind of respect, that kind of attitude about ourselves and then have that kind of attitude about other people, I've had to do this because there are some people who um, kind of rub me the wrong way. I spent a lot of years doing the theology thing 
and being very sure of myself and then not being sure of myself. Uh, and there's, there's always somebody else who, you know, whether whatever political, uh, theological persuasion who have, they're very sure of their theology. And if you don't agree with them, you may as well go to hell. Um, and, and I mean that like literally you've, you've met these people. So those people make me crazy. Like I don't, I don't really want to be friends with them. Right. But what I've learned to do is to say, okay, that's all right. That's a state. That's where they are. Good. It's good that they have that kind of, um, that kind of assurance, that kind of, uh, interest that kind of digging down. Somebody needs to teach that stuff, right? People need, people need to hear it. Now, not all of it, maybe, you know, but somebody needs to teach and help lay a foundation for people. And I think that's, that's valuable. I can let them do that. I, you know, I tried, like I said, I tried for years to try to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't think that's what God has for me. There's another place for me to, for me to be. And that's okay too. Well, I love what you said about like understanding like the state that people are in. You know, we always talk about like God meets us where we are and he loves us and extends out grace. But I feel like we just as people, Christians or not, like that is something that we struggle with is just extending that grace and recognizing the state of where other people are. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, think, I think it's hard because we've misdiagnosed what spiritual maturity is. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. So as long as... As long as we think that spiritual maturity is to know the right things and to do the right things, we're going to aim for one thing. And I think that's what happens a lot of times when people um, blast other people for not having the same beliefs or thoughts or political positions or whatever. Um, Whereas if our goal is, if we believe spiritual maturity and Christlikeness is loving like Jesus sacrificially, um, that's a different kind of goal. It, It causes different kind of thoughts about people. So kind of touching on the whole thing about just kind of like there's a bit of a a resurgence, you know, from church, I guess you could say. And there's a lot of people who are who are in a place who are very uncomfortable with church, who feel out of place in church. And maybe they're in church, but like kind of, you know, just the whole premise of what we're doing here. They they have questions. They just don't feel like they have a platform uh, to go and ask those questions. They they feel like maybe they're judged for where they're at. What advice would you have to people who feel like the spiritual outcasts who are trying to figure out who they are in Christ, but they just don't feel like they have the resources to do that, or maybe they feel shamed uh, in doing that? Yeah. Well, the beauty of the internet is that it's never been more possible to find your people, right? Yeah, so true. So uh, I would definitely advise you, if that's you and you're in a place where you're like, I don't think churches for me one i would say don't forsake the fellowship like still go or at least find a way to to be in community that's very important but also look around because there are some amazing people out there doing things online Uh, a two a couple of my friends that come to mind um richard jacobson is a guy if you haven't run into him yet he's amazing he wrote a book called unchurching so it's all about this you know he started out he was a pastor and he started asking all these questions about um, you know, why does it look this way today? But it doesn't, what we do doesn't resemble what they had in the first century. I don't understand that. Um, which is a great question. So he, he wrote a book about it called unchurching He's a podcast and, um, and a community that's no longer on Facebook, but you can find him If you just Google unchurching you'll find him. He also has a great Ted talk that he did. Um, he was like episode 15 of halfway there, I think. There's another guy named Keith Giles who I really like a lot. He's challenged me a lot um, to to think about um, empire and politics and 
all of that kind of thing for sure. Uh, but there's so there's people like that out there. Um, you just gotta you just gotta find them. And I would encourage you. Uh, there are home churches. I you know I don't have a lot of experience with that because um, I I still go to my my church, but I find it kind of intriguing. It's an interesting it's an interesting movement that's happening among um, among people. So just going back to this uh, this final question here. And just talking about reading the Bible in a new light, and I know that's something that so many people struggle with. Tell me a bit about your your eight day experience and and what that looks like, and how that can help us just understand and break down uh, break down what the Bible is saying for us, and just in a new understanding, a new light. I've wanted to do this for many several years actually, uh, where I wrote something that um, is just a small, uh, inexpensive Bible study. Um, and Bible study really doesn't do it justice. It's, it's, that's why I called it eight-day experience instead of eight-day Bible study. But it really is a chance for you to take one passage and pour it over your heart over and over and over again. And so I liken it to, you know, there's you guys have seen the pictures of the Grand Canyon where, you know, uh, the Grand Canyon kind of runs, or the Colorado River, River runs down the Grand Canyon, and it kind of wears away the the layers of rock over thousands of years, right? Yeah, I look at it like that. If the, the passage is the uh, the word and the path is is the water, and it's kind of pouring over your heart and shaping it in certain ways. Um, so the my eight day experience takes um, it's to, it's really different than any other Bible study you've probably done. Um, the first four days you're doing uh, little more than just reading the passage, reading it maybe doing uh, some reflection. I've got questions in there asking you to kind of think about what is this raising up in you? What is it making you think about? What's God doing? And then there's a certain point where you're invited to take that to the Lord. Um, And then the last three days, um, or the days five, six, and seven, I offer some of my thoughts on what's happening here and some directed questions. And then uh, the last day is is a way to just kind of wrap it up and, and, help you find a way to take it with you. Um, and th- that's really it. So it really is a, it's a slow motion spiritual reading that helps you go over the passage um, multiple times and hopefully be changed by that. That's awesome. That's good. And I love how it's, uh, from my understanding, it's it's guided in enough that it helps you to to unpack it for yourself. And that's the beauty of it to me. And I love, you know, it, you know, the Bible talks about meditating on the scripture, meditating on his precepts daily. And it gives a good understanding to what that looks like. Because I feel like that's a very missed area whenever we're talking about just learning scripture, what that actually looks like, what it means to to meditate, to have scripture kind of beat in rhythm with your heart, I guess you could well, say. I totally think so. The other thing it's trying to do is to say, listen, uh, you can forget quiet time, right? It's kind of designed for it to be used in your like a 15 minute time of just reflection. But the questions are designed so that you can go take them with you. And my hope is that you'll have more epiphanies in the shower than you do in that 15 minutes. Right. That's great. Or more when you're driving than you do, um, you know, when it's just kind of in the back of your mind and you're thinking about what did that mean? Why, why did the, why did the leper ask the question to Jesus that way? What is, what is that about? Um, because I think that that's where if you tuck that scripture in your mind and you're just thinking about it throughout the day, how much better is that than just, oh, okay, I checked this off my list. It's my thing that I have to do. Well, and I think it's cool how just 
how scripture can be where you hear the same verse over and over, you've grown up in church or whatever, and then all of a sudden it means something completely different to you and you kind of have that revelation. I, th- I feel like that's what your course is kind of helping people with. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. I'm, I want them to want people to try it, check it out, and just see how it actually helps you um, experience Jesus in, in a, a different way. I hate saying it that way because that's kind of something that it's a cliche, right? Um, right? But it is different than what you've done before. And that's just that's that's a great thing in general because uh, it, that's part of it. And there's, you know, that's the the word is something that can be fresh to us all the time. Jesus is someone who is fresh to us all the time, and despite the <laughs> the cliche, you know, it really is a new experience over and over again. And, and he's always revealing something to us. Instead of closing out with a, uh, I guess like a one final word, I would like to ask you what's one question you would like to pose to people who are on their spiritual journey, who are maybe trying to figure out that gap from learning Jesus to knowing who Jesus is in their relationship? What is one question you would like to pose to them to kind of contemplate over? I think my question to you friends would be, what do you need? What do you need right now? So it's okay if the things that you used to do, uh, that used to for spiritual sustenance and nourishment, whether that is a sermon or a Bible study uh, even a small group, like we said, um, if those things don't feed you anymore, but what you can't do is just not be fed. So uh, what do you need right now? What do you need in this season? It's okay to change. It's okay to do something different. Um, it's okay as long as you're still pursuing hard after God. That's so good. I love that, yeah. Eric, where can people find your podcast and find more about you and also find your uh, your eight-day experience? Yeah. The best way is to go to ericnemons.com. Uh, you'll find it there up at the top. There's a link to 8-Day Experience. I have two so far. One's on um, a little interaction Jesus has with a leper in Mark 1, and the other one is on John 2, the wedding at Cana when Jesus turns water into wine. Um, so you can check those out. Um, podcast, just search in your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I'm in, I'm in there. So just search for halfway there. Awesome. And uh, thank you so much for taking thank time to, to hang out with us today. And I really appreciate uh, all that you've shared about spiritual journey. It's been a big deal. And I'm, I'm really excited to check out your, uh, your Bible study just for myself. So <laughs> thanks for having me. I really appreciate what you guys are doing here. Uh, keep after it. I just want to extend a huge thank you to Eric one more time for coming on and just, just imparting wisdom on the spiritual journey and how to just pull more out of the Bible and, I just I want to highlight those four things that he said, the four parts of a spiritual journey, meeting Jesus, learning Jesus, finding yourself in Jesus or breaking out of the mold, and then loving like Jesus. It's just such a powerful, powerful thing, and I love that. We would love to hear your answer to Eric's question, and we have multiple ways you can do that. Uh, the main one is the Reckless Community. We ask you to come and be a part if you ha- uh, want somewhere where you can come and just share your heart and to be able to ask questions in a safe place. The links for that are in the show notes below. You can also do that from our website, therecklesspursuit.com, where you can send us a voicemail, drop us an email, say hi. And of course, all of the links to everything Eric has going on are in the show notes below. There you can find a link to his podcast, his website, and of course, the eight-day experience, which I am super 
excited to go through for myself. And I highly urge everyone to go and get connected with him. Links to his socials are there also. Go and get connected to Eric and check out what he's got going on over at the Halfway There podcast. We also have weekly blogs that come out every Wednesday. And then we also have videos that come out every Friday. You can find links for those on the website as well. And of course, be sure to invite a friend. If you get something out of this, you have someone in mind that you think would be a great fit and needs this in their life, needs a place where they can come and ask questions and just listen, please go and send them an invite because we would love to have them as a part. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to stay in the loop for all of our episodes right when they come out, go over there and click that subscribe button. You will be instantly notified on your device every time a new episode is released. Also, we'd love it if you would leave us an honest review. That way we can know what you enjoy and what we can do better. It helps us to grow and to just serve you guys to the best of our ability. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. And as always, be brave. Be bold. And be reckless. We'll talk soon.